0: Turn to Glory Podcast. Happy New Year, listeners! Twenty twenty three, we've made it. Been a couple of weeks. Hope everyone has had a great holiday season. Hunter Zabernik here with Austin Rose. Austin, did Santa get you everything you asked for?
1: Everything and more. You know, I had to after a good holiday season. I'm going to have to start you know twenty twenty three as the. The uh, my resolution is to lose the holiday weight I gained the last couple weeks because I've just been consuming nothing but sugar. So, (laughs) good holiday, good break, good to be back. So, good Husker sports in there, too. So, not a bad, not a bad little moment.
0: Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks here since we've done our last podcast. So, our recruiting class for 2023 has been finalized Nebraska basketball with a big win against Iowa. Iowa still sucks.
1: Iowa sucks. We beat Iowa, Creighton, and then we – apparently, did you go to that game by any chance? Did not. So, my older brother had season tickets. He went, and apparently Iowa was chanting, let's play football when they were getting blown out. The Iowa fans <laughs> were like, well, we beat you guys. Like, what? What's? what are you doing?
0: But yeah, we had all of that. And then college football – Playoff and all the other bowl games, but the playoff games, both very, very I, good games. It's got to be the best time, best.
1: Oh, by far.
0: Had, right.
1: The playoffs have been disappointing up until like, I mean, it, I don't know if there's really been any good playoff games. I feel like they've almost always been blowouts mm-hmm. or at least like heavy leads, not necessarily blowouts, but they're both down to the wire. The Ohio State game, obviously, we were cheering for Big Ten teams and you know, at the Rose House, we wanted Big Ten to, but um, the kick was kicked before 2022 ended, and it would have landed, it did land after, or landed in 2023, so if they made it, it would have been
0: perfect, but. I kind of yeah. spot that coming with like four or five minutes before midnight was hitting, and I'm like, this might time out almost perfectly, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they're just not a good kick at all bad hold bad hold apparently you could see he went right down to the holder and we when I watched the replay because I was you know the best holder in high school football history <laughs> I did hold kicks it was probably
1: varsity uh freshman year as a placeholder
0: I, I did it all four years I uh-huh. really did it even when I was a senior and it it is the most like no one knows you're doing it but it's kind of a stressful job well because
1: I mean, yeah you can really fuck it up You have to catch
0: the ball. You have to put it on the right spot. You have to have the ball turned perfectly. And then you have to angle the ball a certain way for the kicker. And on top of that, you got to catch it and put it down. If you don't, you're getting your hand taken off. So, kind of high pressure. And yeah, yeah. you can tell by the reaction from the kick holder. holder. He went right to the holder. So,
1: yep. The holder put his hands in his, or his face in his hands right away. But I mean, yeah, like Ryan Day made some dumb calls there at the end of the game. I don't know what he was doing. Put his kicker in a bad spot. Yeah, yeah, they could have won that game, but
0: whatever. Yeah, I don't know, and I. So Joel Klatt had a big tweet too, but the game before that, it, not that I hit a breaking point like him, but this whole targeting bullshit stuff that it, it is so subjective there's no they have they have yet to get it right since the year they tried to start putting it in and they need to take a, this is my opinion they need to take a step back and ask what is the rule in place for and i think if you ask that to all people that made the rule i i would i would think there might be a common answer player safety like i think yeah. the player point safety point. But then you have to define what that is. And when you go to actually define that, you're playing football. You're playing contact. So that's very hard to do. That hit at the end of the TCU game. That was targeting to the definition mm-hmm. in my mind. And I it was um it was like the moment they didn't want to save Michigan on
1: They didn't want to say Michigan
0: on on a flag, yeah. So they just didn't. Even I don't know. I I just it it bugs me because that is literally the like that right there out of any targeting calls you give me ten of them, like that's in the top three probably of what targeting is (laughs) in my mind. I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree. Michigan, yeah, I'm. That they lost the game. That was a bad call, but Michigan they also did some pretty dumb stuff, too. That you know, I mean, they were on the two yard line twice and couldn't get it done, right? That was a Michigan game. I, yep. I watched a lot yep. of football, gotta, yep. gotta keep the plays straight, but yeah, it was like, there were a
0: right. the couple other calls that got like overturned where they were short of the goal line. They yep. initially ruled it a touchdown, brought it back. That was I, a bad call. I With sports in general, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this or not on the podcast, but sports needs to figure out how they want to use video replay effectively because we're getting more involved in more reviews and everybody's upset with the stoppage of time and makes the game longer. We got to have technology in today's world to just like be able to immediately like get it right on the field. Yes. For example, on that touchdown in the Michigan game, don't you don't have to rule anything right away? Just let them look at it, give them five to 10 seconds. All right. See it and then call it. Yeah. We don't, we don't, I don't know. To me, we are so not utilizing technology well, and this is not just football. Football is probably honestly the easier one to do it because you have a play and then you have 30 seconds in a play. So why are, why are we having to make an initial call right away? Like we have the technology to do it. We're just in a between mode right now, fully doing that. But we have all of the angles now that we need and it's clear, right? When video review started, it wasn't that we had blurry, there was bad angles. So, But now we have basically everything that we need.
1: Yep. No, and I, I I don't understand why there isn't a, a chip in the ball with boundary sensors so that you can be like, hey, the ball has crossed the threshold. You know, all right, we're going to stop the clock. Here's right when they touch the ground. Stop the clock. Is the ball sensor going off that they crossed the goal line? All right, perfect. They made it. You know, like it doesn't need to be a, well, they touched the ball here, but where is the ball actually? Like, did the ball actually touch the goal line or, you know? Where's the out of bound? The pep, you know, Like, why? Why can't we, like, the World Cup had chips in their soccer balls, and I think it went pretty well. I don't think there were any issues.
0: Yeah. I just feel like we're at a tough time now, and I've always been this way since the review has kind of come into play in our lifetime when we were really young and has evolved. It sucks because officiating is part of the game. So if you want to get it right, then get everything right. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, don't review anything because officials make mistakes, and that's part of it. But now it it, it sucks for officials because everything they do is scrutinized, Correct. And reviewed, and in some sports you don't you can't even do some of those until it quote unquote matters. So, like basketball, for example, you can't review a lot of plays until the, until last, the last two minutes. minutes. Well, yeah. I, that's really dumb. To, I don't know. We're at a tough spot. <laughs> I think sports needs to do a little overhaul. Of just technology and the way it can be used with reviews. People are making call big calls in games that aren't even at the game. And do I think that's okay? It totally is, but have them correctly do that throughout the entire game, not just on certain big plays or penalties or whatever you want to call it. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Lovely rant there. <laughs>
1: Didn't expect that one to come out today.
0: <laughs> I just I was thinking about that during Watching that targeting call, I was like, You're kidding me. Like, they went to review it. I'm like, Okay, they're going to get it. And then they didn't call it. I was, I was in shock, just complete shock. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk some Husker football here since it's been a while. And our 2023 recruiting class has been finalized here. We are ranked 33rd overall. Um, our transfer rank, transfer portal rank is 21 here in Coach Rule's first year at the helm of the head coach. So not bad considering where we started. That That's initial reaction was very good job for the time that he had. He was working hard and mm-hmm. we know that because of his Twitter page, but he was working. and. To me, it paid off to for as well as he did with the time that he had. Um, that was my initial thoughts, anyways. Yeah, because I think like prior to Matt Rule, our national rank was like sixty something. Was
1: that is that right? I can't remember what it actually was. Yeah, I'm not sure where it started at. But. It's I I think I remember seeing some tweet by someone that hey we started at sixty seven and we ended at thirty third. So obviously getting Malachi Coleman was a pretty big swing, but. I think he was I don't know if he was already part of that rating or not, but yeah. But in twenty twenty-two
0: frost had us at thirty-two. At twenty twenty one, we were twenty-four. In twenty twenty, we were twenty. And in twenty nineteen, we were eighteen. So again, this is Rule's first year in what he was able to do. And we're 33, I guess, right now. So,
1: Not bad, considering we're coming off of a 2-3 win season. Oh, no, we had four wins.
0: Sorry, we beat Iowa. Can't yeah. forget we beat Iowa. For first recruiting class in 2018, he was 23rd.
1: So, pretty marginal difference. Or not marginal, minimal difference.
0: So, I have my th- and some additional thoughts here, but I do want to go through the class here. Uh, Because I do think there's some names that we will be hopefully seeing on the field. Names
1: that you won't be able to pronounce.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll see how that goes too. Uh, So yeah, you mentioned Malachi Coleman. That was, that was a big get. He's a top 25 um, of all time recruit that Nebraska has gotten from hometown Lincoln, Lincoln East. Uh, He's a four-star. He's the second athlete, technically it, it, it by by position um in the number one in the state of Nebraska so he was the big get as he decommitted kind of opened up his options I guess to Colorado and then recommitted um Prince will
1: let's U-
0: hear it oh God Uman Milam. Uh, Milam. that would be my guess I think it's good I think it's a good shot he's an edge rusher from Manor Texas also a four-star. And then Riley Van Poppel, our other four-star D lineman from Texas that we got. So a couple of guys to beef up our D line, which I think is, is good. Um, I I think those guys struggled.
1: Yep. We we lost Garrett Nelson too. So he had declared for the draft this last week as well as Colton Feist. So we lost two of our stars. Okay. Let's,
0: let's stay on that topic a little bit. I want to hear your thoughts. What, what what is your takeaway from it? Was Nelson, Feist, and then who is your Feast, and who is the other one? The third that, one that's not returning. Oh well, I guess Ernest Hausman leaving to go to yep to uh, Michigan. Right, he landed at Michigan. Yeah, correct. What what are what are your thoughts on that? Like, is there um, thoughts? is there anything to read into, or not?
1: I don't know if there's anything to read into. The Nelson one was interesting. Like I could see Feist maybe not just getting playing time because it's he's just not quite the player that the Tony White might want for his you know with the five three or the three three five. It's very important that the the middle lineman is a really big guy, and Colton Feist is not that. So it might have just been hey he's not going to get play time. I could and I think honestly Garrett Nelson might have just been like at the peak like he might I don't think he's going to improve his draft stock next year probably it was kind of the thought process thinner class as far as defense goes maybe he might take his chance make some money
0: yeah I it was weird to me that those guys now not saying they were Frost guys but they obviously were recruited under frost and played and and especially with Garrett Nelson. We we saw him as like our high energy guy on the field that would get everybody else going. And I was really hoping a guy like that would come back. And just to me, if I, you would ask, were to ask me what player like gets the mental toughness, the intangible part of the game, I would have said him. And I was, would hope that if we got the right coach, a guy like that would want to stay. And, he leaves but i do s- completely see what you're saying is that yeah maybe he's at his peak right now of where he could be not knowing right. what next year's going to bring and just going to test his luck there so uh yeah i don't know like i guess i don't know there's a lot, lot to read into it but I yeah, this was technically his it fourth year playing correct correct yep you know with the COVID year yep so it's not
1: like he's you know He's not going early. He He's played four years. He's probably graduated college and, you know, maybe he just wants to – he's good enough that he'll, he'll get some, you know, sign undrafted, I'd assume, so, to someone. Yep.
0: All right, moving through here the list, and this is the order of Husker 24-7's ranking. So, Jaden Doss, wide receiver for Missouri. These guys are all three stars. Gunner G- Gatula from Lincoln Southeast, an offensive lineman. Need those. <laughs> um, Ramirez Stewart, a safety. Maverick Noonan from Elkhorn South, another D lineman. Vincent Carroll Jackson, another D lineman. Um, Bryce Turner, an athlete from Texas. A lot of defense. A lot of defense, yep. Eric Fields, another linebacker. Brock Knutson from Scott's Bluff, another offensive lineman. Dylan Rogers, an edge rusher from Texas. Jalen Lloyd, an athlete. Quentin Ives, a running back from New Jersey. Sammy Sledge, great names.
1: Can we just talk about the names of this class? We got Maverick, we got Sam Sledge, and Gunner. Come on,
0: <laughs> Dwight Boodle the second. Is is that relation? to Caprio. It's got to be. It is because they're from the same town. Okay, oh, I guess it's got to be Mason Goldman, another Gretna lineman. Um, Kai Wallen, sincere. Safiula, not bad. Jason, mm, ooh, gosh. Maciej, oh gosh, yeah. my Yeah, that that I think that's good. Gotta, that J C Z is gonna run together, and then Tristan Albano, the the kicker from Omaha West Side, that mm-hmm. got signed. So, um, going through our transfers here, Ben Scott, transfer from Arizona State, Elijah Jute. Elijah Judy from a Josh Fleeks, four-star wide receiver from Baylor. Chief Borders, what a name. A four-star out of high school, three-star transfer from Florida. Corey Collier, a four-star out of high school, three-star transfer from Florida. Jeff Sims, who we've talked about as potentially could be our starting quarterback next year. Him and, him and Casey will be competing for time and then um the long snapper marco ortiz from florida so um went through a lot of guys here one thing to point out you get ben scott in that one yep ben scott was the first one offensive lineman from arizona state so out of all all recruits besides ben scott who's a transfer but all of our other offensive linemen that are in this recruiting class are from nebraska good or bad
1: good if it's true that he wants to solely develop guys and i i really do think that as far as linemen go you know there's only so much that can vary between like a three-star four-star obviously like five stars a little different but the three and the four stars and if you're getting three-star in-state talent that are fine they're going to stay in state. They're going to develop, you know, they're not going to leave before that the program can get through it, you know, before they can get to the point where they're like, Hey, you're going to be a good starter. The pipeline, I think is important. I, you know, once you have the size and the weight it's technique. And I think that they can teach technique. So I, I really do think it's fine.
0: And it's the mindset. I think one out of these guys and I am completely in agreement with you of getting Especially up front, Nebraska guys, and I, this is kind of an echo to the pipeline of the olden days, but especially with the transfer portal now and how easy it is that if you know, if you're good or if you're somewhat of an importance and your team is average or below average, you're gone, right? And What's scary is that that makes it very difficult to develop and build players. But by keeping in-state Nebraska guys, guys that are less likely to just up and jump ship if things aren't going well, and truly developing them over a four-year time period to where, yeah, they might not be ready as a freshman or sophomore, but maybe later on down the road. If you have a good offensive line coach, which we will see what Coach Rayola can do up front, I know there's a lot of mixed opinions on on him and keeping him. We will see how that pans out. Obviously, rules came out and said how important the offensive line is to him. He also said some pretty interesting stuff at his presser after
1: signing day was over, just talking yes. about how like, hey, our offensive line, like we got good guys in there. We just have not put them in good positions. We didn't have offenses designed. We didn't have an identity, so we were not putting our offensive line in good positions between that and injuries like so my comment
0: to that or my response to that was the uh, like maybe
1: maybe I I agree I agree
0: I hope you're right but at the same time if that's your evaluation and maybe they are just really bad then uh oh like I just I, I, I was very like okay you say that like I get what you're saying but I hope you're right.
1: I do. It is it is important to remember that we were missing two starters last year. Two out of five right off the bat.
0: Yep. But then one.
1: Came so out. he I could be seeing that. a different room than what we're thinking of. I think people forget about those two guys in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I. That was just my. I was just like, well, OK. like That was obviously the thing that we. Not just we, everybody. Well, was not going well for us on offense, and you obviously can't come out and say our offensive line was horrible last year because the guys that are still there. That's not a good, good, good way of saying it. But uh, I know
1: I just thought it was interesting that he came out and said we didn't have an offensive identity, and that does not help your offensive line. And that was also
0: very factual.
1: And that was that was the right statement.
0: All right. Along with recruiting. So we just went through our, our list here for 2023. We're both, I mean, I would say I'm pleased. Like I'm not jumping. I'm not over the
1: moon, but yeah, I I feel good about it. We got some talent.
0: And I think that's what people are after is can we get a guy that brings in recruits? Obviously with what Dion is trying to do with this whole new transformation of recruiting and we'll see if that works for you, but Again, getting the guys to sign with the stars is part of the is part of it. Right. That is, we have had top recruiting classes in the Big Ten West about every year since Frost has been here. We've gotten the guys to sign. Now the second part of it is getting those guys implemented in your system and getting them doing what they're talented at doing. Okay. So with that being said, I did I as I was looking at the recruiting stuff, I'm like, oh, this will be kind of fun. Let's go back and look at Nebraska's top 25 recruits of all time and see what we did with them. And I don't want you to look at the list right now. I Okay, hey,
1: good. Don't have it up. So. All right.
0: So there's some trivia questions here, and some of them I was surprised by, some I wasn't. But And this is 24-7 sports is rankings. Most recruiting sites popped up and started – around year 2000 think rivals might've been 1998. So that's when the rankings kind of got established. So guys prior to that, aren't going to have these scores and rankings. And I'm sure all of the mathematics and the scores that they use um, have gotten better over time with more data, but we do have the top 25 composite scores for Nebraska football since year 2000. First question is how many five stars have we had? Three, close answers. Two. Can okay. Many
1: of them. Um, isn't among Green five star? Um. So, post two thousand. Oh, post two thousand. Post two thousand. Sue.
0: Sue was not a five star.
1: Oh. Is he recent?
0: No. Number one recruit of all time. Nebraska football history is Marlon Lucky, class of 2005. Oh,
1: sure. Steinkuller?
0: Number two, you're close. Number two is Chris Septic. Oh, I don't know who that is. (laughs) Class of 2000, he was a tight end. So that would have been the very first year that they got. And I looked this guy up. I don't think he played very much because he was injury prone the whole time he was at Nebraska. Okay. So you mentioned some of these other guys up, up at the top here. Aaron Green is number three. 2011, running back for Stein cooler 2008. Sue was number five from 2005. So those are our top five. I have the full list of 25 up here, and I took what coach they were from.
1: As in coach they played for or coach you recruited them? Coach
0: they were recruited by and then recruited by, yeah. Okay. Number one coach, and I will say it's close, but who do you think out of Solich, Callahan, Polini, Riley, Frost, which coach had the most top 25 recruits?
1: i mean, going guess Callahan. He was a good recruiter.
0: Correct answer is Bo Polini. Bo? With six. Callahan and Frost each had five. Mike Riley and Frank Solich both had four. And then Malachi Coleman is sitting at number 19, so Rule has one. So now I'm going to name you each of these players or each of these coaches recruits. Pelini's were Aaron Green, Baker Steinkoeler, Jamal Turner, Charles Jackson, Braylon Hurd, and Bubba Starling.
1: (laughs) Bubba hardly counts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Callahan, Marlon Lucky, and Dominican Sue, Courtney Grigsby. He got three of the top six. Lyndon Murtha, Philip Dillard. Those are also in the top 11. So he's got five of the top 11. And those are all Callahan's. Uh, moving on to, let's do Solich, go back a little further. Solich was Chris Septic, um, Jason Reichenberger. Titus Adams, David Horn. I probably murdered Rickenberger, Rickenberger's name. Um, so We're not too familiar with that era. This is where it gets really interesting. Listen to Mike Riley's recruits and talk about how these guys panned out. Number seven recruit overall in Nebraska football history, Tyjon Lindsay.
1: Okay. Trey, okay.
0: Ended up having, I think, a decent career at Oregon State when he went there.
1: Correct. Transferred out.
0: Another Mike Riley guy, Lamar Jackson.
1: He was balling this weekend. He was, he was the Chiefs.
0: Yep. Another Mike Riley guy, John Raradon. Never heard of the guy. Nope. <laughs> he was an offensive guard. <laughs> A four-star, number 23. And then Eric Lee.
1: Oh, boy.
0: Number 24. Here's Frost, guys. Hold your breath for a couple of these. Turner Corcoran, number eight. Hey. Overall. Still can turn it around. Wandell Robinson.
1: In the NFL.
0: Got, but gone. Did not yep. stay in Nebraska. Thomas Fedoni. Haven't right. really played much yet. Xavier Betts. Gone. Gone. Adrian Martinez. Yeah. Tricksburg.
1: He played four years. I'll give him. He that did, one.
0: but he did end up transferring. Didn't stick it out here. I just thought it was very interesting. And then if you go down the list a little further, like not too much further, Bryce Benhart
1: yeah, can still turn uh, around.
0: <laughs> who was the other one that was not too far down? Sichterman, I think maybe. I don't know. This was, some of our off, honestly,
1: all there. those offensive linemen were supposed to be really good. Like they all had hype. Like we got oh. them. Like oh my crap, we got them.
0: Teddy, I remember it. Teddy, Teddy, Teddy was like Oscar. right off this list too. Yeah. So to the point of getting great recruiting classes and a lot of stars, that is phenomenal. That's great. But you can see there's some of these guys that literally have done nothing or are playing and then leaving because of whatever reason. So anyways, that that when I was looking up our recruits and who we got and I saw Malachi Coleman, you know how high of a recruit he was. I'm like, that's awesome. That's great, but now let's do something with him in our program.
1: And I will say, Rule did pretty well turning out wide receivers to the NFL there at Baylor. Yes, he did. So, and Malachi, that's kind of what it sounds like he's going to be doing his receivers, especially after the freaking 40 time he put up.
0: Holy crap.
1: Yep. So, he's quick.
0: So, anyways, had to take a trip down memory lane here for some of these guys. thought that was kind of fun. These are a lot of guys that were playing since we've been alive. Um, that's true. Husker football. We we didn't get to see what, and who knows what some of those guys would have been back in the back in the glory days, um, for recruiting because we don't really know. There was no rankings, but we do know they were developed. That's for sure.
1: That is true. Um, did you uh, get a chance to see? TCU's three three five defense in action. I did
0: watch a little bit of that.
1: And what were your thoughts? I know last time we were, our last podcast, we talked how you hadn't
0: really seen anything about three three five or hadn't really noticed it. So I'm curious what your takeaway was. And the announcers mentioned how it was designed to stop Big 12 spread offenses. They talked about that a little bit. And I did a little bit of reading since the last time we talked just about the scheming. And as I was reading through that, the more I realized how little I know about... <laughs> Defensive defense, defense and coaching holy cow like I, I know the very 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 basics of basically coverages because that's what I played in high school but <laughs> wow and I was intrigued by it but obviously the article and the the stuff I was reading on it was all mostly positive but it talked about its weaknesses and it did talk about its weaknesses being stopping heavy run game because you're relying more on I don't know, man. I watched them stop Michigan. Correct. And so I but – it, but it talked about how you can have a lot of variety with it, which – Yes, it's is a, a very flexible very,
1: defensive uh, scheme where you that, can – That's
0: what I liked. And if you – what yes. I – so then if you have the right coaches coaching it, the ones that really understand it, then it can become very effective because it is used very rarely. And so, like, teams have to pr- prepare and for it. It's smart to think about the flexibility
1: because, yes – the Big Ten is heavy run heavy but with USC and UCLA coming in and you have Purdue and Ohio State's pretty much spread offense at this point too that it's just becoming a pretty split conference as far as what you're seeing
0: yeah and I and then people talked about Wisconsin getting their new OC maybe becoming more of a spread I I get why people are saying that but every time I hear those comments all I think about is that's just typical Husker fan bullshit of trying to (laughs) make Something that maybe has a negative, saying, "Oh, that's not a negative. This is a positive." Well, I'm
1: not. It does have its negative, but I, I do think it's. I, I'm not like. I think when people say the negative, it doesn't stop the run well. I think. Well, I, I think I really like the flexibility more than that concern at this point.
0: Right. It's again, it's one of those things that great. Like, but I'm not gonna spin it positively. Correct. We see it actually work in action, um, in the Big Ten because. Big Ten, even though we are getting these teams in, it's still a run heavy. We saw it this year again. Just the teams that do what they do, your Minnesotas, your Iowas, your Wisconsin's, your Northwesterns, Michigan, uh, or Michigan. Michigan. They they all just do it over it. You, we, you see it week after week. And if you're not if you don't have the team, well, if you don't have the offensive line and defensive line, then we see how that plays out for us. Yeah. But
1: yeah, I think it'll be good. Anything you need to add about Nebraska basketball? I know we only
0: touched on our whooping of Iowa a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna have to go into more details here. And I think what McBrain McCaffrey said after the game, these guys are playing for each other. I think that's ultimately you can talk about as much as you want. It comes down to that. And that's where you gotta be as a basketball team, especially when you know there's five guys in the court. You can't win a basketball game by yourself. You have to use everybody else out there. And Fred, I think it's – talk about Frost being stubborn as hell about his offense. Fred has finally said, you know what, I got to do what works. And my spread it out launch three thing did not work with the guys. He's like, to hell with it. We're going to play defense. And holy crap. We're going to defend. We're going to grind it out. And we're going to try to – take great shots there were some things in that Iowa game that I'm like God damn it this is awesome like we got can't remember when it was we got three or four offensive rebounds and every time we like got the clock down to like three seconds before we took a shot when we were up 18 and with like six minutes left I'm like this is
1: yes this is what is what you're supposed to do yeah no I agree it's exciting I think we're gonna get 10 wins gosh yeah. I sure hope so man <laughs> at eight and six. <laughs> Well, no, it's a fun team to watch. We, there isn't guys that when they touch the ball, I'm like, why is this guy on the court? Why do I have to watch him dribble the ball? You know, like I, I don't have that this year.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, we are getting close to time, so we will go into this more um, next Sunday because we got Michigan State on Tuesday in Minnesota, which hopefully is a winnable game here. Next winnable time. games. Games, two of them. You can be anyone. So, all righty. Happy New Year, everyone. We'll see you next Sunday. Go Big Red. GBR.